Welcome again to our frequent podcast called Wear Many Hats, inspired by Ethan Hawkey. Throughout the year, I, David Punter, the Business Development Director for Hawkey Cleaning and Support Services, shall be interviewing prominent facilities management, procurement, subject matter experts across a range of industry market sectors. It is these people with their wealth of knowledge and experience that will inspire the next generation of professionals into the industry. Our objective is to share our guests' stories and experiences to help motivate, engage and inspire others into the industry. Through Wear Many Hats podcast, we hope our listeners will gain new perspectives, insights and learn about strategies to develop their careers in the FM procurement business. It gives me great pleasure today to introduce Conrad Dinsmore, uh, Head of Projects at local GWS CBRE. Thank you, uh, Conrad, for joining us today. Um, I think without further ado, I want to launch straight into some questions, uh, a little bit about your journey. So thinking about where you started your career um, into facilities management, where, where, where did that start? Uh, Firstly, thanks for having me today, David. I always love doing things like this and getting a story out and promoting our industry. I think I might be your first or one of a few who have chosen to be an FM. Uh, the, the acronym of I fell into the industry is, is not something that I go by. It, it was a creative choice for me and okay. something I'm proud to have said. I go back to probably when I was 16. Uh, my dad in Ireland is in FM, has his own business. So I sort of grew up in that family that was all about the FM, the building services, the okay. construction side of it. And that was in Belfast? or So come from a small place called Warren Point. Uh, okay. So we are, if you drive from Dublin to Belfast, we are right on the border, uh, but worked all over Ireland with, with his business when I was younger. Okay. Uh, and then wanted to develop from there. He always pushed me to say, you're quite smart. So get your qualifications, uh, went and did construction engineering, electrical engineering in school, maths, a few other random bits and pieces. Then went on to did my A-levels, and it was all purely based around going into FM. Okay. Following that, went to university. And that was in Ulster? Yeah, University of Ulster in Jordanstown, where I did construction and engineering management. With, with a pure focus on that would set me up for going into FM. Did my dissertation on building information modeling and how it would impact facilities management and how companies could get the most out of it to enhance service level offerings, get data from new buildings and, and set themselves up for success. That introduced me to a lot of the larger organizations uh, as, as we reached out to them for help and then okay. moved to London. So you, you kind of went into it uh, via an academic route of doing um, uh, engineering management. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay. So, and what is it you like about your FM role now? Now, uh, so now as the head of projects, I've always enjoyed problem solving. Okay. Uh, and that's exactly what projects are. We've customers or we've contract managers that say we have this issue, whether it's an aged asset, whether it's carbon reduction, through ESG policies or space management, we come in as a team uh, and we solution it. Okay. We, we, so CBRE came and uh, reached out and found you. Is that right? Yes. Uh, was working with another large organisation prior to CBRE, which I had a fantastic time with, and 
they knocked on the door one day and it was an exciting opportunity for me. It's always been about pursuing what I've said is purpose with passion. Okay. Uh, the, the head of projects role was something that I was passionate about. It was where my career wanted to go. So when that opportunity came knocking, it was one that I couldn't turn down. Fantastic. So projects, pur- purpose and passion. All About the piece of that, yeah. And and in so tell them, tell me a little bit about where your the industry you're working with at CBRE and and, and what it entails. Projects is is huge. I think within the FM industry, okay. Uh, one that's it's a wee bit siloed sometimes. Okay. When people hear projects, they think the big construction projects, the organisations that are out there that only do the fit outs the first time building the, the items like that okay where we specialize and where projects and fm is great for customers is we sit outside your engineering teams your hard services teams but we come in with that pure focus on capital replacements okay asset upgrades and items where customers are, are spending quite big and need that specialist support away from the day-to-day operations so where we have office reconfigurations at the moment for people trying to get back to work right where we have esg strategies and carbon reduction that's where we come in and so we do things from standard led lighting upgrades asset replacements of boilers hvac through to then office reconfigurations and refurbs okay and so currently then how many sort of um capital projects are you working on at the moment we have 14 live projects okay pipeline of 38 as of today and you're uh, working on 14 of those at the moment uh no thankfully i have a great team around me and people that help uh but yeah we're spread across them and again ranging from quite small to quite large projects uh, so it's a nice diverse portfolio of things okay uh, the beauty of not the same project every day changing it they're all different and all require different skill sets and different ways of thinking so every day is quite different so Talking about the skill sets then, what sort of skills are required to do your job? People. Uh, I know that word's probably used massively in our industry and it's always the number one skill that comes up, but our customers are people, our team on the ground are people, our, our supply chain are people. Okay. And we need to be able to understand what customers want, how supply chains deliver and how our team are capable of delivering certain projects uh, to people is probably what I'd say the biggest skill set we require. Uh, you, t- you talk a lot, um, Conrad, about working with the team. Um, and how important is that team around you? Huge. Uh, we all can't. There's no one person that can do everything, I believe. Uh, I, have, I have a great team where I can trust them to go out and deliver projects. If if I go on holiday, I know they can look after the place and that customers will still get that level of attention and detail that they needed. And and people and the team themselves are, are fantastic at that. We, we've got graduate project managers right through to senior project managers. Okay. So we've people who are starting that project journey as their career. So just at a university, just entered the program to the more experienced who've been around, who've done a lot of senior PMs. So as a team, they're learning from each other and can see that pathway through their career as well. So, I mean, you are, uh, with, with respect, starting off in your career in this aspect. Um, where is your next move? I think the beauty of FM is you can't, I don't think personally, there, there is, a, I know my next move. Uh, 
we know we want to progress. I personally want to own a business at some point. Uh, okay. And maybe and go into the family business. To, CBRE to know that? <laughs> they do. It's one that I've been quite lucky in that when I moved over here, uh, I, w- I was very industry focused. So I've done a lot with the Rising FMs. Okay. I've sat with or on that committee for six and a half years, just stepped away from it last year from being busy. I was very lucky to win Newcomer of the Year. Uh, with the Impact Awards in 2015. Congratulations. It's, it's a seems quite a long time ago now, but it, that whole bit was around, I'm willing to learn now, and I know kind of where I want to go. So that story of going in, starting with the family business, going to the large organisations to learn how it's done. And then going back to setting up yourself. Yeah. And is there a time frame around that? No, because I, I love what I do. I come over here with a five-year plan. I'm now in my ninth year. So <laughs> that plan's already went out the window. But I think that's the end goal and how I get there. The industry's going to push me in different directions and different opportunities will come up. And I think if you take those opportunities, take a risk in it, challenge yourself, then that's where the fun in the industry sits. And who knows where next year will be in the year after that. Definitely. So... Looking now, um, what does a typical day look like for, for Conrad? I don't want to sound cliche in that there's no typical day, but you know the usual of I get up, I like to go to the gym early. So okay. gym at five in the morning, which is my way of, it's my time to clear my head, set myself up. You, you're I get, rest my head at that time, uh, but there we are. But you, You're guaranteed... <laughs> No emails, no phone calls. You're not going to be distracted by something popping up on the phone. And I find that sets me up for for the day. I then have my prep coffee in the morning. And because I'm a subscription holder, you have to make sure you get the benefit from it. Yeah, bit of a plug there for prep. Yeah. Uh, and then because we look after so many different customers, depending on where Darry sit, it's trains, tubes, office meetings. I don't like working from home. It's something I never do. Uh, don't enjoy it because I like being out with people. Uh, and with projects, you have to be able to sit with a customer. And yeah. You you see over a table what's happening, what they want, what the, the twigs and things that are for them. And you walk the floors and you see it in real life. And working from home or doing it over a Teams or Zoom call just, for me, doesn't work. So a typical day is going somewhere sitting with a customer somewhere, understanding what a customer wants, speaking with my team to mm-hmm. see what they're doing, what priorities, focuses are, and then speaking with the, the management above me to understand what the business need and what priorities are from that way. So, Okay. So where are you tomorrow then? Tomorrow I am in central London. Okay. Uh, going to, to going actually from a grade one listed building to a building that finished and was completed two years ago. So from a very old to an extremely new uh, both with two completely different types of projects and two completely different types of skill set required. And challenges, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. One's two stories and one's about 80 stories. So okay. a few hints on where that is. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, that's uh, hopefully some of our listeners can have a think about where that, where that, where that location is or the 80 stories. Um, so... What would you say um, to someone uh, by way of advice if they were starting their career off in in facilities management? Be all ears. I think that's very important. There's a lot of senior leaders and specialists out there who've got to where they are by their own skill set. Okay. And 
I think it's wrong to mirror someone and try to become who they are. Uh, we have to be unique. We have to be individual, as that's what customers and industries look for is who's being different. So if you're all ears and you're sitting with people who've been there, done that, mm-hmm. you, you'll pick up the good bits from them. Yeah, you'll pick and hopefully up. Leave, leave the uh, bad bits behind. Yeah. But but also with the bad bits, you see, oh, that's a trait that I have, and you can ask how they get over it, and you can say to yourself that actually you can put development in to make sure you don't do that. And so I think if you're all ears, you can start to define who you are as an AFM coming through okay. and who you want to become. I think that's very good advice um, for, for, for people, uh, uh, you know, looking at starting off their and, career in it. And I think put yourself into challenges. Uh, I actually spoke with someone earlier on around people coming into the industry and, and I've said to them is shadowing can only do so much. Mm. Uh, actually put yourself into a project say you want to run it say you want control of something whether it's soft services hard services you can say give me that element of the contract that i can run with that i could own take the learnings if it goes wrong but take the responsibility of it as well i I believe you don't learn unless you do Uh, and if you're just always going to shadow someone Mm. you'll never really push yourself beyond that barrier so taking risks then yeah Okay. Uh, I think another cliche saying I've, I've always said is take the risk or lose the chance. You, you'll have great managers out there who, who will give you chances. Mm-hmm. And if you go, oh, I'm not ready yet, then you're not going to learn. Whereas if you just go, yeah, I'm 60, I'm 70% ready, you can jump in and you can start to define and refine that 30% that you mightn't got. And you can say, actually, I know I'm not good there. I've learned from it and this is how I want to develop into it. Okay, I mean, you, you, you do strike me as someone, Conrad, that, you know, is not afraid to take that uh, leap of faith. Yeah, I think when I took this role, it, it was a big step up for me. Uh, and where CBRE and the person that hired me was great was when they called back around the feedback on me. They said, look, we think you're you're 70% there, but you've got the attitude to develop into someone that will be refined in two, three years' time. Mm-hmm. And we're willing to invest on, on that journey. So it worked for them. They, they trusted me in that. And it was perfect for me because I think if you if you believe you're 100% ready and perfect for a role, you'll be in it for a couple of months and you'll be, what's next? Whereas yes. I've, I've been able to do this. I've been here a year and a half and I've, I've seen where I'm not perfect within it. I've seen the bits that I'm good at and I've started to see what my personal development plan can be mm-hmm. to get perfect. Uh, and I think that's a big part. I mean, I think there's an interesting element of humility there as well. Um, rather than I'm going to be 100% perfect from day one and otherwise, you know, there's, there's no room to develop and grow. No, I don't think. No, it's, no part of our industry is perfect because everything has to be different because customers okay. customers want something different. So I think if you go in with that attitude that I'll get as high as I can, someone's going to, once you hit that 90% mark, someone's going to go, that's one for the future, and they'll mm-hmm. pick you up and put you somewhere else. I think if, if you get to be 100% perfect in a role, the manager's at fault for not giving you the opportunity to go somewhere else and develop somewhere else within the business. So I we recently... Uh, had an associate PM that stepped up to a PM okay. uh, and he was the perfect example in that 70% ready, customers loved him and uh, he was doing all the right things so we went, well let's not wait till he's 100% and potentially lose him 
let's develop him now mm-hmm. uh, and put him into that role and give him the challenges and he's flourishing within it and, and the business is widely acknowledging that which is great fantastic so looking specifically at for, uh, facilities management would you say i mean has the way facilities management changed over the years Yes and no. So when I did my dissertation uh, 10 years ago, now that's not making me sound like someone new to the industry, but 10 years ago, the the research that I was collecting, a lot of it we're still doing, uh, but maybe in smaller localised areas. Okay. I think the requirements around flexible working has meant cleaning, uh, logistics, security, engineering has all changed. It's it's modernised us. It's meant technologies come in to make more efficiencies. So that side of it is changing as well. But sometimes the people element is remaining the same. And I think because people is our industry, it needs to remain the same in some scenarios. But technologies and service ways of working are definitely progressing as well. Okay. And do you think that COVID and the way that we now work has kept suppliers and procurers more at arm's length than before? I think companies are very good at keeping them at arm's length or taking them in. I think I'm quite lucky with CBRE's model is we, we want suppliers in close to us because okay. we, we want to demonstrate to customers what the latest innovation is, the new ways of working, what is someone else doing that we need to implement here. Okay. Uh, and we can't do that on our own. So even in projects, uh, if we're changing out of chiller, as an example, companies and specialists have different ways of doing that, mm-hmm. different technologies that are there. Customers know I'm not the specialist in a chiller, so what I'm saying, I'm bringing five contractors here to look at it in different ways and to challenge how we think that's us bringing suppliers in. So I think mm-hmm. COVID's pushed that, and it's meant we bring people in, which I think has been good. So us as an organization and me as a person, I think we keep them quite close. Okay, I think uh, on a personal level, I'd be inclined to agree with that, having worked on some um, particular projects with CBRE in the past as a supplier. Um, they've certainly wanted to engage uh, with us on mm-hmm. um, uh, new innovations and uh, things to bring to the client. So I would agree I would agree with you on that uh, and, firsthand. And I think with... The, the, the social enterprise, social value side of, of organizations now where customers are challenging us to be more social with our spending. They mm-hmm. know every penny they spend with CBRE isn't CBRE. So when we're bringing in social enterprises and social value businesses to show where that, that money or that budget's going to, that that's what we need to be shown and that's where the mm-hmm. industry's going. So it's not just us, it's us and our supply chain. Okay. I mean, that brings me... Interesting, on to my next question um, as to how important are ESG issues affecting today's uh, procurement decisions? Specifically in projects, it, it's huge. I'm quite passionate about where ESG is going. Okay. Uh, the project industry is a minefield for that. Uh, and we're trying to develop now a playbook and a structure of how we deliver sustainable projects. Okay. So this is meaning our supply chain have to come in and work with us on that. We did a fantastic project at the end of last year where it was a LED lighting upgrade. A local manufacturer okay. uh, delivered in electric vehicles. The cardboard, so we knew we could install 200 lights a day. 
We took 200 lights, the cardboard that those lights came in, went back to the factory for the next batch of lights to come in with. So we were able to keep waste at a minimum. We were able to use electric vehicles. We were able to start to demonstrate the carbon that we were doing. As a business, or as a team as well, we're pushing for apprenticeships and, and the likes for our supply chain to bring on board. Okay. Uh, and also then, what are they doing within the local community too? So we're making sure we've got local suppliers being used so that we're, we're not pushing the, the ones beside us out to take in the big national ones. So it's one that I'm passionate about that we look as a team how we do it. So not using reusable uh, cups because every project manager always has to have a coffee in their hand. Uh, we're going away from site folders and site binders, so the big paperwork that's on a project site to make them more electronic. So we're conscious of as a team what we're doing and then working with our supply chain to make sure they're doing the same or else pushing us further to be better as well. Okay. Just just on that point, so when you get your prepped coffee, coffee in the morning, do you take your recycled cup there? Yes. So my bag of an espresso cup, reusable, and that's where it stays. Okay, check. <laughs> Good. Um, and just another thing, you mentioned about the changing of LED lights. So what did you do with the ones you took out, the lights? Where possible, you can break them down. Uh, but they're a wee waste, so you can only do so much with them. Okay. And then we have certain suppliers that work with that to make sure they're either ethically disposed of and that we can track it from coming out to where it's ended up and how that's been done. Okay. How, how um, important are sustainability issues with a supplier that you work with? In my perspective, sorry. Um, with regard to, um, for, for example, if you've got a capital project and you're using a, uh, I think it's a little bit more like end use of products and things like that. So if you're having, let's say, lights taken out or something taken out of a building mm-hmm. um, and it's disposal of that particular thing. Oh, disposable. So that, that's huge for us at the moment in... I can think of two projects at the moment we're looking at where we're decommissioning a floor. Okay. Uh, so an office space. So we want to look at the furniture that's coming out. We're saying, well, actually, this is perfectly good furniture. How do we either donate it somewhere okay, uh, or reuse it? And there's some great social enterprise organizations that we're working with that are able to come in and show where it's going to. Uh, if we are doing project works, we, we do look at, from floor to ceiling of what can be reused, okay. what can go elsewhere. We make sure if there's an opportunity to lift and put in another project, we do that and we demonstrate that back to the customers to, sh- to show them that we're being a bit more ethical in how we do it. So you don't just do lip service to that then? No, we've uh, some very good case studies to show it and we have to lead by example in it. And, and both as an organisation being so big, we're doing that, which... You know, we've won quite a few awards for it, which is really nice, but also personally and as a team, we're, we're pushing it too. Okay. Although uh, I appreciate, Conrad, you're starting off on your career, um, to date, what's your biggest regret in your career? Hmm. I, I don't think I have a regret, which is because that bit of taking the risk or, or losing the chance if I regretted it, I either wouldn't have got a chance or I knew it wasn't for me. Okay. Um, so I don't think of any regret yet. I moved here when I was 
20, so I can't say oh, I wish I started sooner because I cut right. enough. Um, I've taken every opportunity that's been thrown been thrown at me. Uh, I don't think of any yet. There have been learnings. There's been a lot of learnings. There's been a lot of things that I've went, I wish I could have done that better. I wish I could have done that a bit differently. Okay. But there's nothing yet that's regrettable. Okay, that's good. Um, and what um, what's your greatest achievement in your career to date? It has to be my Newcomer of the Year award for the IWFM awards. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, that was something that, you know, I came from a, a part of Ireland over to London, big city, I think. The first building I worked in had more people in it than town that I'm from. <laughs> so, so it was about me pushing myself to say that I'm not coming into a large organization to get lost within it. I made sure I became a name within it, but also in the industry. So doing a lot there has meant that getting recognized from it was a very mm. proud moment for me. Yeah, I think, um, Conrad, you're certainly one to watch in the industry. Um, so that's, um, it's, it is very commendable. But I think, sorry, just on the other piece of you know, not just lip service, that even after winning it, I'm really proud that I joined the Rising FMs and, and sat with them for six and a half years. I've been lead judge and judge for for the category awards and lead judge again this year. And for, yes, I was going to say, you're a judge this year, aren't you? Yeah. For, so which category is that? Uh, we haven't been told yet. Okay. Might be the same as last year, just waiting for that to be finalised. But being able to say I've won it and I just didn't walk away from the industry, but I've mm. actually have been heavily involved in it. Putting I, something back. Yeah, it's something that I must be proud of for me. So even though going from or being in two large organizations, I still curve where our industry's going and what we're doing and take part in quite a bit of it. Fantastic. And finally, um, what things in life, it could be work, it could be leisure, that gives you the greatest satisfaction and enjoyment? It has to be success. But a paint first. Enjoy paint and uh, success. And it just being able to say that, we set out to achieve something and we achieved it, no matter how small it was, to turn around and go, yeah, I've done that. And that's why projects sit so well with me because we can Finish design, it. develop, sell, deliver, and go, we've done that and be proud of it. And that's something that, I don't know why it's OCD or whatever in it, but it's something that I'm really stuck with. And it's maybe why I didn't fall into operations so much because it's never finished. Yeah, it's always something next. And it's it's every year you renew a contract or start the process again. You do a fit out, you don't see it for maybe ten years, you install an asset, you don't go near it for another twenty years. Uh, and that's the bit of it's what next. Closure. Yeah. Just you great. like the closure of the job. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's an interesting thing. So, I mean, you've obviously been with CBRE, I think, what, about one and a half, just over one and a half yeah. years. Um, is there any particular one that springs to mind of your greatest achievement of closing the job off? Mm, but head of projects, we don't get on the ground as much, so it's watching PMs close out the jobs. But we've had some fantastic projects that have been delivered. So grade one listed building, huge LV infrastructure upgrade that we did last year, seeing that start and finish successfully on time, on budget, all the correct things was a massive achievement for us. Uh, when you have a building filled with asbestos, it adds its challenges. So, so that's great. We've done some large high-risk solar panel installations. Okay. That also have been great. Um, I wouldn't say there's just one that sticks out, but quite a few. Do you do, you do a uh, sort of 
team topping off ceremony or anything like that or is it just on to the next what no one thing we are good at is making sure we celebrate success okay and that both the customers recognize it and internally cbre as a business are, are very good at that whether it's a new contract win whether it's a promotion whether it's a, a great project being delivered they want to make sure if it's newsletters if it's on the company board okay if, if it's just mds and the likes giving you a tap in the back and saying well done they share that throughout the business which is really good it's fantastic well, that's the end of our 10th um, episode of Wear Many Hats podcast. Um, and we hope that uh, our listeners have found this an interesting, um, insightful um, and engaging, uh, thought-provoking um, interview. Um, I'd like to thank Con- Conrad for taking the chair today. And uh, we welcome uh, from our listeners any uh, feedback, um, and uh, tune in next time. Thank you very much. Thank you.